Welcome to African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement, your source for news and commentary from a cultural and right of center perspective. African American Conservatives. Welcome to African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement. I'm your host, Marie Strotter. Please bookmark our Substack, which is ACONS, A-A-C-O-N-S, dot Substack, dot com. There you'll find links to our commentary, this podcast, and all of our social media platforms. You can also find ways that you can support our work. This is my favorite, absolute favorite week out of the month because, as you know, uh, it is Alan West Wednesday. Well, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say we tape, we record this on Wednesday, so I call it mentally Alan West Wednesday. But we are recording uh, with Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, who really needs no introduction. But for those of you who don't know, what you know what you should do? You should just Google him and look at some of the viral videos. Uh, there is there are two going around this week that are particularly uh, Alan Westy, if you will. Uh, one is a uh, poor misguided girl at uh, a university who asks Colonel West if he identifies as black. And his excoriating uh, response is, uh, of course, a viral video. And then the other which we'll get to today, uh, someone asks him about uh, Black Lives Matter. So without further ado, let us bring in Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Welcome, sir. How are you? Howdy, Marie. It's good to be with you. And I look forward to sitting down and chatting with we you as well. We have now witnessed the spectacle of seeing Donald Trump arrested. Legal scholar Alan Dershowitz, former guest on the show, has called it a very weak case which would never have been brought against anyone else, quote unquote. What do you foresee as the political consequence should the left's long-held goal of seeing Donald, uh, Donald Trump going to Trump realized? Well, it's interesting you bring up uh, Alan Dershowitz, who is a brilliant legal mind and scholar. And uh, he said in a news interview is that, you know, he does not want to see someone placing their hands on the levers of a political uh, contest because he wants to have the right to be able to go out and vote against Donald Trump, which is exactly what the left is trying to take away. And I thought that was a brilliant way of putting it because he's no fan of Donald Trump, but he's yeah. a fan of the rule of law. And when you think about what was the exact charge. I mean, what are you arresting Donald Trump for? Number one, if you're arresting him for something that's a misdemeanor, now you're trying to make him to a felony. Good luck with that. Uh, you're arresting him for something that has gone past the statute of limitations. Good luck with that. And, you know, this, there was no federal election commission violations. Department of Justice passed on it. The predecessor to Alvin Bragg, the DA office, uh, passed on this. So what exactly this is this about? This is about the totalitarian, tyrannical way of the left. They don't want political opposition. The best thing that they see to do is to eliminate their political opposition, throw you in jail, or uh, if necessary, if they can put you up against a wall. So they have taken the former, but if they could do the latter, I'm quite sure they would try to do that as well. But this is going to blow up in their faces politically because, you know, I was looking at some interviews yesterday 
there were people out there complaining and shouting down, uh, you know, Donald Trump as he went in to be arraigned. And when they asked them, what is he being charged with? These people had no idea, you know, and you have a right to hate Donald Trump. But again, you should not hate the rule of law. And everyone should be appalled at what they saw happen with a local DA who should be focused on the safety and security of the people there in Manhattan in New York City. But now he's more so focused on a political agenda. Absolutely, succinctly put. Uh, in a recent column that you shared on your Substack, you wrote, quote, we have entered a new era in America. The progressive socialist left has no regard for the rule of law. They only care about the right to rule. The Constitution does not bind them. They, are, they only adhere to Sololinsky's rules for radicals. They do not want unity. They demand abject conformity, subjugation, and subservience. Leftists do not want political opposition. They want no obstacles to their rule, and those ends justify their means, end quote, just as you talked about. Mm -hmm. How can we combat this when we see so many on our side being bullied, boycotted, censored, fired, swatted, and even arrested now? Well, I got to tell you, you know, at some point in time, you stop your whining and you get ruthless. Uh, if you're in a dog fight, you better fight like a dog. And I think that that's one of the reasons why Republicans are not successful in doing this. And, you know, Donald Trump is a is a fighter, but he doesn't have that circle of people around him in the political realm that are willing to do that. And so one of the uh, ideas that I thought about uh, just this morning was, OK, we've got a new precedent that has been established, a local D.A., Soros back D.A., who has brought, you know, these weak charges against a former president and a presidential candidate, uh, which is probably not going to go anywhere. But this is just about tying him up. And oh, by the way, his yeah. next court, court appearance is in December. So why don't we yeah. get together all of these all of these county district attorneys or, or county uh, attorneys? that are along the border or anyone that has been affected by the open border policies of Joe Biden, which are in violation of Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution, the Guarantee Clause. And why don't they bring charges against him? I mean, we can talk about all the fentanyl deaths. We can talk about all the human and sex trafficking. You know, the Constitution says that the federal government is supposed to protect us from invasion. Five to seven million people, almost two million of which are unknowns, uh, gotaways, this is an invasion. And the fact that this president is allowed to happen, he has reversed policies that kept our border secure. And think about how that has affected people. You know, every every all of these counties along the border that's seen the increase of crime and things of the nature, they should bring charges against Joe Biden. And instead of him sitting around and smirking, they should be worried about, uh-oh, you know, we, we got to end this thing because now I got local DAs coming after me. And so let's let's turn the guns on the left and stop sitting around and, you know, stomping our feet like petulant children. Now, and of course, everyone's going to say Alan West is calling for violence. You know, that's metaphorically no. speaking. All right. The, the left has their guns pointed to their political opposition. I say we use your tactics, use your uh, techniques, use your procedures against you. That's what I'm talking about. And turning the guns against them. Sad that we have to clarify that. Right. Well, it is, but this is how shallow yes. and this is how vindictive and petty and petulant the left is that they're going to look at anything that they can. But yet they're the ones out there going and holding benefits for the quote unquote gender dysphoric community in Nashville uh, who wanted the day of vengeance after uh, this gender dysphoric uh, woman shot and killed six people to include three nine year olds. But 
that that person that suffers James from this revenge. James revenge. revenge. Yeah. James revenge out there, uh, you know, firebombing pro-life advocates, advocates. People that want to save lives. Yeah. P people that want to save lives. <laughs> yeah. And so they're upset about you saving lives. So we're yeah. going to, you know, firebomb, but none of them have been arrested. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's time that we start, you know, taking things over from that local level, which we see this DA uh, is doing up there, Alvin Bragg. Let's start doing it ourselves. And that's something that you've advocated uh, for quite for quite some time, uh, when you were chairman of the uh, Texas GOP, there were uh, some DAs who were uh, releasing known criminals back mm -hmm. into the streets, and you've advocated for that. They should be impeached. Yeah, absolutely. So, and as a matter of fact, here in we're Texas, we're seeing that. Yeah, yeah, here They're in starting Texas, to do that. Well, yeah, and you know, better late than never, I guess. But the Texas State Constitution allows for the impeachment of federal judges. Who are out there releasing these criminals based upon you know their ideological agenda this whole social justice mess because these people are going back out like we see up in new york city and they're once again committing crimes they're assaulting people they're murdering people they're raping people and things of this nature so again let's tie the left up with this legalese lawfare you know court proceedings and everything because we have truth and we have the constitution we have the rule of law on our sides they're just making stuff up you know, yeah. because, again, you know, Michael Cohen, who is supposedly their star witness uh, for the DA's office, Alvin Bragg, he admitted there there is him saying so and him writing and writing that it was his own personal funds that were used. It had nothing to do with, with President Trump or, you know, uh, financial funds or bookkeeping or what <laughs> you're going to you're going to go after former president over bookkeeping. Give me a break. Which, you know, I have to say, I'm, I'm going to go off script a little bit, but that, that to me was the thing. You alluded to it because you said, you know, his next court appearance is December mm -hmm. for this crime, alleged crime that happened, you know, a number of years ago. So, Seven. yeah. So while we're out there, uh, while New York City is ravaged by, as you said, you know, rapes and crime and all this other stuff, uh, we're concerned about uh, hush money. Really? I mean, is there a rampant hush money uh, proliferation of crime in, in New York City that has to be eradicated right now? No, it doesn't. And as a matter of fact, you think about the, the wasting of resources that they spent yesterday over this case. I mean, it's unconscionable. You know, we're talking about, what, $125,000, $150,000. Well, they blew that by $120 million yesterday with all of the redirection of, re, uh, of resources, diversion of resources. Look, even in the United States Congress, okay, uh, maybe people don't know, but there's a slush fund of taxpayer money that's meant to pay off, you know, these type of uh, incidents, sexual uh you know, innuendos and things of this nature. John Edwards, who ran for uh, president out of South Carolina, he actually paid his mistress from his uh, campaign finance yeah. account to keep her quiet. Nothing happened there. Bill Clinton, who actually sexually assaults a young intern in the Oval Office, a sitting president, nothing happened there. So the hypocrisy is laughable, but I think it is time we say, okay, if these are the rules that you guys want to play by, these rules for radicals, well, we're going to turn it on you and we're going to see how you like it when we come after you with substantiated crimes. And that's why, again, I, I say that all of these border county attorneys, uh, DAs along the border, let's bring charges against the Biden administration. It's right there. 
clear and blue. The evidence is right there. The, the, the facts, the empirical data is right there. You know, from Joe Biden stepping in and instituting these open border policies, look at what has happened. Well, and the FBI, when is the raid on his Delaware home going to happen or, you know, his Corvette uh, garage? Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and Merrick Garland announced that they're continuing on with the uh, the prosecution of President Trump over classified documents. Well, yeah. you know, we had a whole lot more classified documents with with Joe Biden. We even had it with Mike mm-hmm. Pence. So so when are you going to bring charges against them on top of the fact that how is it that we are indicting President Trump? But we haven't had an indictment of Hunter Biden and we got more than enough evidence there. So, again, it's time that we go on offense and, and, and go after them. Now, Mark Levin has said, quote, look for reasons to indict Joe Biden. There are plenty of them out there. He violated mm-hmm. the immigration laws, among other things. If we don't do that, there's no future for the Republican Party, let alone the Republic, end quote. Um, should we hope to see the GOP go after their political foes with the same sort of zeal? No. no. Why should we? I mean, Andrew McCabe, who was the deputy director of FBI, guilty. Peter Strzok, guilty. No. Uh, <laughs> Lisa Page, guilty. No. I mean, all of these people, they, they just continue to do whatever. It's Pavlovian. Uh, they sit around, do these things. They see that nothing ever happens to them. And, and you're sitting right now. I don't care if we don't have the control of the United States Senate. Why do we have articles of impeachment against Joe Biden being passed in the House of Representatives? It only takes a simple majority to do yeah. so. Uh, go on the offense and, and stop playing by these, I don't know, these very restrictive, uh, you know, marquee, what's, what's the guy, the Cuisenberry, the Cuisenberry rules of, you know, trying to be nice and everything like that. No, this this is a dogfight. And I think that the reason why people have don't have any faith in the Republican Party because they're not dogfighters. Uh, look at Chicago. What just happened there? They yes. just elected someone that is 10 times worse than uh, than Lori Lightfoot. So if people want to side with that type of uh, that type of behavior, those type of policies, then by golly, Oscar, we got to go after them. It's funny that you mentioned Cuisenberry rules. I call it Calvin Ball. If you remember from the iconic yeah. uh, comic strip Calvin and Hobbes, where yeah. you know there were no rules except that there are the only rule is there are no rules. Yes, absolutely yeah. right. And <laughs> and look, you know, when when you're on the battlefield, uh, you don't want to violate, you know, the the laws of warfare. You don't want to go in there and hack off ears or anything like that. But let me tell you something. If I'm on the battlefield and I'm fighting against the enemy, a determined enemy, I'm going to find every way that I can exploit their gaps or weaknesses, anything that I can have an advantage over them. And that's what we should be doing here, because this is not about politics. This is about the future of this country. And if you're not willing to go head to head with these people, then you shouldn't be in any of these elected positions. You should step aside and and, and allow fighters to be up there in these elected positions. I'm not just talking about the federal government level. I'm talking about all the way down to the local level. We need fighters on school boards. We need fighters on city council. We need fighters on county commissions, every single level of governance. We need to have fighters against the progressive socialist left. Now, so far, we've talked about what, you know, the bogus debacle this week uh, does in American politics. But let's talk, because one of the things I love most about you is your geopolitical knowledge. Um, And so I want to know, how does this impact how the world sees us on the world stage? 
Well, it's very simple. Uh, the president of France, Emmanuel Macron, is visiting China, Xi Jinping. Uh, we've got the Saudis and the Iranians, you know, coming together. You know, Sunni and Shiites. Who would have thought that? And who was brokering that? Xi Jinping. We've got the uh, the yuan uh, replacing the dollar as the petrol currency uh, because we're not energy independent. So when they see America, you know, sitting around and basically, you know, cutting our own throat and allowing the uh, the progressive socialists and their tyrannical totalitarian ways to dictate what's happening. Sure, absolutely. We're going to fly a, a Chinese spy balloon over your country, and we're going to hover over your critical military infrastructure and uh, upload intelligence. And what does this administration do? Uh, they couldn't do that. Everything was okay. Let's, it's just a wayward balloon. We'll just wait till it transits across the entire country into the Atlantic Ocean, then we'll shoot it down. And oh, by the way, then we won't be able to recover it anyhow because it's at the bottom of the ocean. So everybody sees weakness. Everyone sees an America in turmoil. Uh, and, and you know, sometimes when you have the, uh, the good old stars and stripes, when you flip it upside down, that's how they see America in distress right now. And we've got to get the flag right, you know, right side up so that they can see a strong America. And it's not going to happen until we get rid of this administration and we uh, get these progressive socialists out of positions of power. They definitely smell the chum in the water, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, we spoke about the Chinese spy balloon uh, last month when you were here. Uh, but now that we do know a little bit more about it and that they it's been clear that they have gathered some intel. Um, how well was China able to control now that we know how well uh, China was able to control that balloon and how they were able uh, to use it to gather intelligence? Uh, most of us suspected as much. But uh, President Biden seems to have known this with certainty well before we did. Why didn't he react sooner? Well, this is the whole point that everyone's concerned about. And it's another reason why you should look at articles of impeachment, because he is compromised when it comes to the Chinese. You know, you don't sit around and let the Chinese say that, well, it's just a wayward weather balloon. It blew <laughs> off of course. Well, a wayward balloon does not blow off course and hover over your critical military infrastructure. And as a matter of fact, you know, cut circles and donuts in the sky and then continue on to the next target. It followed a very definitive path. And so this thing should have been, you know, just just take some, you know, the uh, 20 millimeter, 30 millimeter cannons on any of our fighter aircraft and just poke some holes in it and watch the rate of descent. But you don't allow it to come across, you know, from uh, into our airspace, over our water space, uh, across Alaska and the Montana and everything else. This is insidious. So I think it really does cause us concern when we have a president that is selling our strategic petroleum reserve to the Chinese, allowing the Chinese to float uh, balloons across. And now the Chinese are telling the Biden administration that they must sign on to the UN Small Arms Treaty, which basically undermines our Second Amendment rights, gives over our sovereignty. We know that the Biden administration is talking about making America subservient to the World Health Organization, which is just mm -hmm. a subsidiary of China. You know, why, why are these things happening if you're supposed to be an American president uh, honoring your oath to uh, support and defend the Constitution and uphold the laws of the Constitution, the United States of America, which you're not doing. So uh, again, we've got all of the case against Joe Biden, but you're, you're, you brought up charges against a former president very loosely, but we know that we have you dead to rights with collusion, uh, your son, with uh, a foreign entity, our number one geopolitical foe. 
And it's interesting that you use that phraseology because you said a former president. Now, when he was in office, a sitting president, he was impeached what, two times. They were starting Twice. a third one, I think. Yeah. Yes. And so there's no problem. Uh, they were going to use the 25th Amendment, um, which clearly, if anybody <laughs> triggers that one, um, it would be the the fellow that lives there now. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, a, a sitting president is not above the law, as they are so fond of saying. So it, it shocks me that, that, that we haven't seen this yet. I mean, I shouldn't be surprised, but. Yeah, this is my shocked face. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 you know, coming back to, you know, what you said about the Republicans, they need to go on MSNBC. Mm-hmm. They need to go on CNN. They need to go on ABC, uh, you know, uh, Face the Nation, CBS, Meet the Press, all of these places, uh, Sunday, Sunday morning, ABC. They need to go on and start really pushing this narrative. We need to get our you know, narrative together and narrative straight and go on offense and stop allowing them to be the ones that d- determine the, the narrative and d- dictate with their talking points. Uh, and that's where we have failed to do so. We need a strategic communications plan because everything that you and I are talking about, every single Republican member of Congress, uh, Republican governor, they should be repeating that ad nauseum, ad infinitum. You know, it shouldn't take a dumb old paratrooper, Lieutenant Colonel, to come up with an idea. Why don't we have our border uh, DAs and county attorneys, you know, going after the Biden administration for violating the Constitution? We we know what article and what section it is, and we know the ramifications, the consequences that we've seen. You know, the fact that we had two Americans that were just recently shot, Black Americans, African Americans. But yet we didn't hear anything from the Biden administration. We didn't hear anything from Corrine Jean-Pierre talking about, you know, how this was angering and upsetting. It just kind of faded away. If that had happened during the Trump administration, they would have figured out a way to lay it at the feet of Donald Trump. So, again, we can't allow them to continue to get away with these things. The body bags are stacking up of Americans because of Joe Biden's open border policies and his enabling this transnational narco-criminals terrorist organization called the cartels. He's enabling this. That is so well said and so accurate. Um, Mark Milley, the chairman of the uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff, has recently and finally admitted what some of us have been saying for some time, uh, that the uh, China-Russia-Iran alliance will be quote unquote problematic for the (laughs) United States. problematic for the United States for many years to come, end quote. Given their combined military and economic might, is uh, Mark Milley understating the negative impact that the global dominance of these nations will have on the United States? No, he's not understating it. And I'm wondering if he gave a call to the Chinese uh, defense minister, the general over there, and he told him, hey, you guys better be ready for us because we're coming for you. Uh, Since they have such a great relationship that he talked about picking up the phone (laughs) and calling him all the time. So, yes, this is a new axis of evil that you see forming. And the rest of the world recognizes that there's a shift in power away from the United States of America. You know, you know, we have undermined our own energy independence and we're going to beg these other countries while they're increasing their energy dominance. You look at the one belt, one road strategy of China. They say exactly what they want to do to not just be a regional hegemonic dominant power. They want to be a global hegemonic dominant power. The other thing you have to look at are the BRICS. It's uh, Brazil, Russia, uh, 
uh, is it India and uh, China, uh, now South Africa is coming along that. Now Mexico wants to come into this BRICS movement. Uh, this is very serious because this is an economic uh, conglomeration of countries that they see America as an adversary and they're aligning with, with China. So uh, again, you know, when you have all of this internal turmoil, turmoil and when the left they don't see China or Russia or, or, or any of these as adversaries. They see us, the political opposition here in the United States of America, as their number one adversary. The only reason why they talked about Russia is because they thought that they could help to undermine, uh, you know, President Trump. But, you know, Hillary Clinton had all kinds of dealings with Russia and, mm -hmm. and through the Clinton Global Initiative. So, Again, these people are very comfortable, and, and there is no declaration of, against China and their human rights violations. The Biden administration is not pushing the envelope with China and the and the uh, the coronavirus. The Biden administration is not pushing the envelope with China on this chemical that uh, they are feeding over to the cartels to get across the border called fentanyl, which is one intent and purpose, and that's killing Americans. China is killing Americans right now and, and has been killing Americans and will continue to kill Americans, uh, but nothing is being done about it. So that axis is forming right before our very eyes. Now, uh, a quote that has alarmed many pro-American observers is uh, Xi Jinping telling uh, Vladimir Putin, quote, there is a change coming that hasn't happened in a hundred years. When we are together, we are driving this change, end quote. What should President Biden be doing to break up this bromance? Well, President Biden is not going to do anything. If anything, President Biden has been Cupid and he has brought <laughs> together this, uh, this bromance through his weakness. Uh, if he were an American president, very first thing, he would not have uh, shut down our oil and gas production. I mean, that was the very first thing that Joe Biden did, shut down the Keystone XL pipeline. Yes. He has been very adamant by saying that he wants to destroy the oil and gas industry. So that's that brings these people together. You know, you look at what happened in Afghanistan. That brings Russia and China together. You look at the fact that we're more so worried about gender dysphoric people in our military and uh, critical race theory and social justice and all of this other stuff. That brings them together. Uh, the fact that we left 80-something billion dollars of equipment in Afghanistan, that brings them together. So Joe Biden is not going to do anything different. Joe Biden is once again emboldening our enemies. Let's pivot to some of the things that you just brought up there. As we alluded to uh, in the introduction, you are going viral yet again. You're always viral, but nah. you're going viral yet again for a speech uh, or you, get at, you gave at the Young America's Foundation uh, in which you said, quote, these young black kids come out here and they start talking about black, uh, black lives matter. My simple question to them is, which black lives? End quote. Now, that seems like a reasonable question to me. Why would there be fallout? Uh, what would be the fallout if people began to do just that? It would put them on defense. You know, everyone is prepared when when you, your your response is all lives matter. They mentally prepare for that. That does yeah. not put them on defense. But when you come to them, and you say, which black lives matter? They're not prepared for that. Mm -mm. When you challenge them on the 25 million black babies murdered in the womb since 1973 Roe v. Wade at the hands mm -hmm. of Margaret Sanger and her genocidal uh, company, Planned Parenthood. When you put them on the uh, on the defense talking about the lack of good quality education in the black communities, 
but yet uh, we continue to see the teachers unions and, and everything pushing not for, but against parental choice, educational freedom, school choice, all of these type of things. They want black kids to be locked into failing schools. And you see that in Chicago, Baltimore, what have you. When you look at all of the black on black murder and crime, when you look at the lack of small business entrepreneurship and development in the inner city urban communities, when you look at the breakdown of the family, the, the instance of fatherlessness. I mean, I'm born in 1961. It's 75 to 77% two parent black households. Now today, it's like 24%, a complete reversal. But you don't hear them talking about that. The only thing they talk about, oh, and think about it. Black Lives Matter didn't talk about the Mexican cartels executing yeah. and killing two black Americans. No, because that does not fit into their political narrative and agenda. Uh, they're just looking for the black lives that can be leveraged for a politicized agenda. Even the fact in Memphis, when you had those four or five black Memphis police officers that horrifically beat that young man, they still tried to tie that. Yeah, they still tried to tie that to racism and white supremacy when the police chief in Memphis is black as well. So that's how they struggle uh, to try to uh, be the agents of the Marxist leftist uh, uh, mantra. Because remember, the two ladies that are the head of Black Lives Matter, uh, they're avowed Marxists. Yeah. They say so. So this is, and what does Karl Marx have to do with the black community? Not a doggone thing. And disrupting the nuclear family. That was on their yeah. website until they exited yes. it. Yeah. 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 We both know that. Yep. Now in February, Rasmussen published a poll that reported only 53% of black respondents think it's okay to be white. Talk to me about how BLM and CRT are fostering anti-white racism in the black community. Well, it's Ibrahim X. Kendi and his book is the 1619 Project and everything. When you continue to have this constant messaging that white people are evil, white people are bad, white people are oppressors, and that's what you have every single day, and you're pushing that down, uh, not just in high school level, but middle and elementary school level, when the Proud Family uh, cartoon <laughs> yeah. is out there, you know, talking about, you know, how white people have kept us down, and this country is, is built on slavery. Slave built this they, country. Yeah, yeah they, they never talk about all of the greatness of the black community. They never talk about Sweet Auburn. They never talk about, uh, you know, Booker T. Washington, the the, uh, the Negro Business League and all of these things. Uh, they never talk about the golden age of Harlem. Uh, when when blacks were going in and buying buildings and, and uh, you know, very, very lucrative. So the thing is, if you continue to push that negative message, then people are going to start seeing folks negatively. And that's what has happened. And then furthermore, on top of that, you have what Shelby Steele wrote his book about called White Guilt. You have many in the white community that are buying to it as well. This, look at this whole thing out there in your former state, California, about reparations. Yes. I mean, why, why are you going to write me a check? Yeah, you know, just just allow me to have the equality of opportunity to be able to get out there and as the army has now come back to saying, be all that I can be. That's absolutely right. You know, they're asking for more than five million. Five million is not enough. And then and then you know, and I've said that I was gonna blog about this or rant about this. There's also this thing now about um taking off mental health days because dealing with white people is just so exhausting. Um, and so, you know, then you wonder why if there's a resume with 
an ethnic sounding name on it, it might go in this pile. It's not because of racism. It's because, well, now we've got to enact all these policies and yeah. we've got to have a DEI person on staff. And, you know, we've got to, you know, have counseling paid for because I'm exhausting. Am I exhausting? I'm, Karen, am I exhausting to work with? You know, this kind of stuff. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, there's not a white person in South Side Chicago that is saying to another black person, go out and shoot that black person. Yeah. And so if we don't start taking responsibility and accountability for the ills and the diseases that are affecting the black community, then it's going to get to that point where they're going to do the Pontius Pilate. They're going to wash their hands. When you look yep. at what just happened in Chicago, where you go from Lori Lightfoot, now you got Brandon Johnson, there are going to be people in Chicago saying, I'm out of here. And when businesses and everything start leaving because it's all about their social justice, going in and looting, that's part of reparations. Uh, folks are going to say, no, we're not going to tolerate that. So, Which you pointed out with my former state of California, 500,000, half a million people since COVID. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're bugged out. And so if you're going to make, you know, pass this thing about $5 million plus dollars to people uh, that you're going to get taxpayer funds. So now a state that was never a slave state, and people that had nothing to do with slavery are supposed to give their money to people who were never slaves in a state that was never a slave state. You know, help me understand the reason and rationale there. Uh, yeah. But that 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 is the the abyss into which the progressive socialist left wants to descend us into. And again, that's why I say it's cultural Marxism. It is not the socioeconomic divide. It's the racial divide because leftism has to pit people against each other bourgeoisie proletariat now is black and white in america now you wrote quote once upon a time the black community thrived even in the most strenuous times of segregation jim crow and democrat party policies it was truly a time of well shall i say it milk and honey there were thriving black small businesses strong intact new traditional nuclear families and institutions of education that prepared men and women to be successful with respect and dignity end quote what do you think happened that took us away from this time and more importantly, how do we get back to it? We went from being victors to victims. Uh, when you look at the Great Society programs of Lyndon Johnson, 1965-ish, uh, and, and Johnson was very savvy. He was a racist, and he knew that with welfare programs and things of this nature, he could get the Black community tied to the Democrat Party and you know come in and be the faux savior. And when you instituted a policy saying that the government will provide a check to a woman that has a child out of wedlock, no matter how many children she has out of wedlock, but she cannot have a working man in the home, you destroy the, the thing that kept the black community so strong in all of these uh, incredible and uh, tumultuous times in America, which was that traditional nuclear family, a strong, responsible man in the home, you know, that provided guidance and discipline that was, you know, accountable. Uh, for his actions. And now you're just telling, you know, young black men out there, go out there and make as many babies as you want. Black women, go out there and have as many babies. You know, you, you're not responsible. We're, we're going to do it. And what do you always continue to hear, you know, from a lot of these women who are on welfare programs, whatever, who's going to come down here and take care of me? Who's going to come down here and make sure my kids have X, Y, and Z? Instead of saying, I got to do something better. I have to make better decisions in my own life. So yeah, they took us from being victor, victors to victims, how can we get back to being victors? Well, it's not by electing a guy like Brandon Johnson in mm -hmm. Chicago. 
or some of these other people that we like uh, the mayor of uh, uh, New Orleans. Uh, so we've got to do better in making sure that we have black elected leadership that are not going to keep us on a 21st century economic plantation. Well, you know what George Santanaya always said, if you do the same thing over and over and over and you expect different, that's the definition of insanity. So yeah. if you uh, elect someone who's just like Lori Lightfoot, but like, as you said, 3.0, then, you know. Yeah. Guess what you're going to get. Yeah. Uh, and, and so you're right. And I think Albert Einstein also said the same thing. And, and this is where we are. And so when you think about progressivism, socialism, Marxism, communism, statism, show me where there's been a different result. Mm -hmm. I mean, every, everywhere all over the world where that has taken root, it's always been the same result. So I, we want to continue to give it an opportunity to Besides thrive. the perfunctory mutterings about assault weapons bans, uh, we didn't see the usual degree of outrage after the recent Nashville no, shooting, no. Uh, or so, as we did with similar shootings, nor did I see any sort of outpouring uh, of prayers or anything like that for the Christian community or no. virtue signaling, you know, black squares uh, in protest or whatever. No. Um, in fact, in this case, many portrayed the shooter as a tragic victim and implied that the shooting was deserved. Why is that in your view? Well, you're dealing with a mental condition. Uh, that's first and foremost. Uh, the other thing is that, you know, in the in the state of Tennessee, they had just passed legislation to protect children, protect children from these gender mutilation surgeries, puberty blockers, hormonal therapies, protect them from these insidious and perverted, you know, drag shows and what have you. And so how does the left see this? Well, then we have a right to kill you. This, this shooter in that case, Audrey Elizabeth Hale, 28 years old, uh, a biological female thought that she was a male. This was well planned. We're talking about month or so. And, you know, she had other targets, but she chose the target of least resistance. Now, first and foremost, with gender dysphoria, you should not be able to go out and fill out a 4473 form and get a weapon. Gender mm -hmm. dysphoria is a mental condition. And there's a box on that uh, application for your background check that asks about mental illness, treatments, depression. And now depression and anxiety are symptoms of mental dis, uh, gender dysphoria. But the fact that we are so blatant that we don't care about the lives of three nine-year-old children and three 60-plus adults because they're Christian, this is a hate crime. You know, you have not heard Mary Garland say anything about this being a hate crime. You have not heard, heard anyone say anything about this being a hate crime. But what do you hear instead? Madonna's going to come to Nashville to do a, a benefit concert. Miley Cyrus. Yeah. Miley Cyrus is going to come down and do a benefit concert. But it just goes to show you that the real persecuted and prosecuted people in the United States of America, the pro-life advocacy centers, the churches that are vandalized, it's the body of Christ. And the body of Christ has got to start, you know, uh, you know, girding them, their loins, as it says in uh, Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 18, that full armor of God. They got to go out and find some Samson's. They got to go out and find some Joshua's. So people are going to start standing up and fighting back because when that community called for a day of vengeance, which uh, this was part of, maybe it was preempted the actual day of vengeance, but they're not backing down. And we have to understand that we should not back down. We should not be afraid of what we believe in. You know, our strength is in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we should not be persecuted thereof. 
we believe that there is right, there is wrong. We're not, you know, going to do as it says in Isaiah 5 and 20, call evil good, good evil, uh, to, to call bitter sweet and sweet bitter. Uh, we're not going to do that. We're going to call it as it is. Uh, and expose evil. And expose you for mm -hmm. what, what you are, because we're going to protect our children. Uh, so the left has shown that they don't care about our children. They don't care if they're gunned down by someone that is part of their accepted, you know, community, their accepted demographic. Uh, so we've got to see if what it is. And that concerns me, Alan, because, you know, in Texas this week, we've seen some things happen in, in session uh, where we were able to pass uh, some laws that uh, prohibit, uh, at least in the Senate side, uh, the mm -hmm. uh, gender mutilation, as you've been talking about. Um, and it, it surprises me when I see the testimony, because I watch a lot of the testimony. It surprises me when I see uh, the you know, the trans community came out and did kind of a die-in at the Capitol uh, where they sprayed themselves with, you know, fake blood and pretended that they were dead because of the suicidality of uh, people who already have a mental illness, by the way, a documented mental illness, mm -hmm. um, killing themselves. And suicidality is a, a sign of mental illness also. So it's not the fact that you're withholding these, you know, gender-affirming treatments. It's the fact that you're not dealing with the root cause, which is the mental illness. But mm -hmm. I digress. Um, so it, 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 I wonder, um, what is the harm? Why is it such a controversial thing to want to protect children who cannot drink, who cannot drive because they don't have the requisite, uh, maturity, the maturation level, their brains are not done developing and growing until they're 24 ish. So why is that a terrible thing that we want to protect them until they reach the age of majority where they can make a rational, reasoned uh, a decision about that? Because as we know, in the throes of adolescence, if you leave that process alone as ugly as it is, and you couldn't pay me to go back and be you know, an adolescent again, the fact is if you leave it alone, it generally sorts itself out. Um, and then there's these drag shows, as you mentioned, and, and these um, sexually explicit books. Um, why is there such a backlash that we want to protect the innocence of children? Why is that a controversial notion? Because they're not your children. They, they belong to the government. Right. I'm a domestic terrorist. Thank you. Yeah. They're not yes. your children. I mean, Joe Biden said it in his interview with uh, the Daily Show host there that it's sinful that we should try to protect our children. He was speaking about the law that was passed and signed uh, by Ron DeSantis in Florida yeah. that uh, to not allow for gender mutilation surgery. That's what it is. You're not you're not affirming anything. All you're doing is mutilating the body. Your your DNA and chromosomes are all, all the same. And so this is really the leftist illness, the leftists and, and their sexualization of our children, because uh, you got to recruit people into these lifestyles. And the only way you recruit them into the lifestyles is to push that narrative uh, out there. You, you know, five years ago, no one was talking about this. Five years ago, nobody was going out there and telling little boys and little girls in school, you don't have to be a boy, you can be a girl. Uh, we, we never heard anything about these gender mutilation surgeries and hormonal therapies and puberty blockers. I mean, if you're an adult, that's fine. You make whatever decision that you want. Believe our children long. No. Now, now this has crept down because they're not our children. And, you know, that's why I said, if, you know, woe be to the person that tries any of that mess on my grandson, uh, because you're going to see an, uh, a very 
different Allen West, that, that kind of guy that was in the combat zone, that's what you're going to run into. And I think that that's what we have to be. We got to send a message to say that there's a line. And when you cross that line and come after our children, we're coming after you and we're coming after you strong and hard. And that's to your point where you said, you know, that we need to push back on some of this, because if I'm going to be labeled as a domestic terrorist, then I might as well go to every board meeting because I've said, you know, I was blessed to be able to homeschool living in California in the wealthiest area in the country um, on one income to be able to homeschool my three children. But I said I had been at that school every single day. What is it? book. What are you teaching my kids? Why is this happening? And if there's any blessing in the COVID uh, pandemic, if there's any blessing in in being locked down, it was that Mm -hmm. parents got to finally see what their children have been exposed to for years. But now they're saying some things and they're stepping back. And and to your point, I mean, that's why I say you've been prescient for years. You've been talking about the one belt, one road rule uh, for forever. You've been talking about China as a rising geopolitical threat for years, as almost as long as I've known you. Um, and 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 you were right when you said that, you know, the most important school uh, elected position in, in the United States is a school board. And we're seeing that. We're yeah. seeing in, what is it, South Lake near you where yeah. they dismantled the whole school board. They just said, shut it down and yep. took everybody out and, and put it with parents. You've had a number of people on your recent podcast, uh, on some of the podcast guests that you've had recently on, on Steadfast and Loyal. You've had a number of people who are seeking uh, positions at the municipal level because yep. that's where governance happens. Talk to us about that. No, it's important. Uh, I mean, that local level government is so critical. Tip O'Neill uh, once famously said all politics are local. And then furthermore, that's where you build your farm team. And when you have the progressive socialist left, when they come into a red state, that's how they flip it. They come in and they take over school boards and city councils, and then they expand from there into the county and they expand from there from the county to the state. And the next thing you know, what used to be a red state is now a blue state. Talk to the people in California, talk to the people in Nevada, talk to the people in Colorado, where that has been played over and over again. So that's why we got to start focusing on these local levels. And we have got to have that good governance and the city council and the school board, especially this about educating our kids uh, and future generations. And yes, I applaud the people in the Carroll ISD, South Lake, Texas who just extricated themselves out of the Texas Association of School Boards, which supports the National Association of School Boards, which is the organization that wrote the letter to the Department of Justice saying that they wanted to have uh, parents designated as domestic terrorists. And now the Texas Association of School Boards wants to uh, sue uh, the Carroll ISD over in Southlake for them getting out of the Texas Association of School Boards. That's how maniacal (laughs) and tyrannical that the left is. And so we got to go on offense. Now, you know, when we first met you back in 2009, we became aware of you because uh, we heard some commentary on a radio show uh, that you had provided about the mass shooting at Fort Hood, that terrible Mm -hmm. tragedy carried out by Major uh, Nadal Hassan. Now, many years later, Hassan will soon be facing a military execution for his crimes. Uh, The first such execution since 1961, the year of your birth. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about this uh, tragedy hopefully coming to a close or finally coming to a close? It's it's about time. I mean, I don't know why it's taking this long. I mean, here's someone that jumped up on a table shouting Alawahu Akbar and shot the people that were wearing the same uniform that he was wearing. You, You want to talk about treason. You want to talk about betrayal. 
And the building where he committed his act, uh, I, I know that building. My last duty sign was Fort Hood, Texas. So, yes, it's been a long time coming, and this is closure. And that's how we have to deal with Islamic jihadism or any type of jihadism or terrorism or whatever. You got to put them down. You don't, you don't take them and put them back in power like we saw this administration do with the Taliban in Afghanistan. You don't negotiate with them. If there's one thing I firmly disagree with Donald Trump on, you don't negotiate with uh, the Taliban, with terrorists, and, and try to come to some uh, settlement. No. You do, as uh, Carl von Clausewitz said, war is about the imposition of your will against your enemy, uh, against another. And Ronald Reagan, when he was asked to define what is uh, victory in the Cold War, he said, we win, they lose. That's how we have to look at this. If you're just joining us, our guest this segment has been Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Alan, you have a Substack, you have uh, a wonderful podcast. Tell us where our listeners can continue to follow you and your work sure. online. Sure. The uh, podcast, That Fashion Law, you can get on YouTube. You can see it on Rumble and other outlets. I'm on all the social media outlets except for TikTok because I'm not supporting the Chinese Communist Party. And uh, just thank you, Marie, for your friendship over all these years. And it's just, again, great to see African-American conservatives back. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And now it's that part of our show where we bring in DK. DK, come on in. Hey. What did you think of that? Hey. That was great. Very interesting. What did you take away from that? Oh, so it's a lot of a lot of big issues you guys talked about. Uh, Not to unpack. I mean, it's, a, it's been a lot of very interesting things going on in the news. I mean. It's been to, a crazy week. Is it just me or is it? It's a crazy week. Yeah. I mean, domestically, we have the Trump. Uh, arraignment, indictment, arrest, and and like Donald, uh, like Alan West pointed out, this just seems to be part of a pattern of attacking conservatives. So we've talked about for a long time how the left is working very hard to establish a one-party socialist system of government, and they're doing that by uh, changing government. You know, they're changing how uh, they're changing the filibuster rule, they want to eliminate the filibuster, they want to add states, they want to pack the Supreme Court, they, they're they using aspects of the government like the IRS and uh, and the FBI to attack conservatives, they're working with social media to repress conservative thought, they're using media, they continue to use media to con repress conservative thought, you know, there are some media outlets that would not even cover uh, Donald Trump's speech yesterday because they say, well, he's just going to lie anyway. <laughs> so why should we put him on the news? You know, on our news, MSNBC, we only report the truth. So, and um, and they're attacking us as individuals. This is something else Alan West spoke about. You know, we see, um, like, there's this law professor who spoke at Stanford who was assaulted and verbally assaulted in the hallways yeah. by people who were saying that, I hope your daughter get raped and not allowing him to speak and he had that big corruption with the, the dean of uh, equity and inclusion or whatever that was. And then you see another guy he's facing 10 years in prison because he posted some uh, joke meme that Hillary voters just text your vote. You know, you don't, don't vote, just text it to some phony number. Obviously meant to, meant to be Who funny. Who would believe but that? Yeah. I mean, 
and he's facing 10 years in prison for that. And of course, you, you see in other examples of people telling Trump voters to just text their vote and they're not facing any time. Um, or the, there was a meme, I think it was about like vote tomorrow or the yeah. voting day. It's like a day after or whatever. He's, yeah, I saw all of that on Facebook. I don't see any of those folks. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, these things have been around since people started voting well before Twitter or social media or probably before this country was even a country. You know, you want to vote? The election is Tuesday. You tell people, oh, vote before Wednesday. You know, that's a joke. But um, suddenly people are getting arrested for that. People who are on outside of the outside of the aisle, um, you know, there was a pro-life pastor who prevented his son from being assaulted outside of an abortion clinic, and he was he was facing prison time. So it's just going on and on, and you wonder um, how all this is going to resolve itself. I mean, no side of any debate is going to allow themselves to be repressed indefinitely. And and you don't want to see um, a national divorce. You don't want to see people resort, resorting to violence. But you you want to see a peaceful resolution. But how is this peaceful resolution going to come when you don't feel your vote is being counted? You feel that illegals are are, are voting. You you feel that people are bringing. Uh, tote bags full of votes to uh, drop boxes that are affecting the election. You don't feel like you're able to speak um, without getting fired. You know, now that we're on YouTube, I'm watching all these YouTubers get demonetized and censored or kicked off YouTube or Twitter and Facebook. Um, and now we see the what Trump has gone through, the latest of what Trump has gone through for something that no credible person even believes is a crime. Um, and he's he's facing, what they say, 136 years in prison for a for, uh, for $100,000. Uh, $130,000. $130,000 hush yeah. money payment to uh, some woman he said... And they have written with. and said that it never happened, by the way. I mean, they have yeah. that evidence in their possession. And these are the same people who forgive everything that Bill Clinton did, you know. Yeah, yeah. And the same people who forgive everything um, Biden is doing. And can't seem to realize that there is evidence on a laptop Yeah, in their yeah. possession. And even they say that's only his son, not him, it's obviously him because he's mentioned by name several times on a laptop and his involvement in these shady businesses is well de uh, documented. And now Trump, if he gets past this, which I hope he will, I'm not always so optimistic because... Yeah, he's got some there, powerful political enemies. There are people who will sit in a jury in Manhattan who would love to sentence Trump to uh, life in prison for any charge you put in front of them. I'm not going to read it. It says Trump is guilty, you know, and it's not yeah. hard to find 12 people like that. So I don't know what is going to be the outcome of this case. We may very well see him behind bars. And then, and and the, the, the reverse of this, you see, uh, um, even if he gets past this, you see, uh, He's going to face this charge on uh, the documents still. They say it's obstructing and um, taking secret 
you know, classified documents and obstructing the FBI. And everything he did, he had the right classified to do. Classified documents. They have issues with classified documents. Let the irony of that sink in. When we have just talked about uh, President Biden, all of these classified documents that have been turning up in these different places, including boxes next to his Corvette in a garage. I mean, that doesn't seem to me like there's a whole lot of security in your garage. I don't know. I mean, basic home security, most folks have, but to the level of classified documents, and even the two interesting things about the Biden class of our document cases, one, he wasn't president of the United States when he took these uh, classified documents. You know, a president can say rightfully that I'm president, anything I touch is therefore declassif declassified. There's essentially no classification restrictions when it comes to the president. Any, any document that the president wants, he can declassify and take home with him. He doesn't even have to leave. He doesn't even have to leave a note for anyone to read. Um, he, he wants it, takes it home. But Biden took home some of these documents when he was a senator. How does a senator get to remove classified documents? Preserve, yeah. you know, and he took some when he was a vice president. The vice president doesn't have the right to take home classified documents. Well, it's like we saw the Q, uh, QAnon shaman who was escorted to, I mean, I've said, I've been to the White House before. I've been on those tours and I even got the private tour that not everybody gets. But, you know, when I was a member of Black Voices for Trump, so I got to see parts of the White House that normally people don't get to see. And so you have to go through all these security checkpoints and all this kind of stuff. Um, and he was escorted to these places. You can see on the film that he was, that we talked about with Nick Cersei just a few weeks ago. He's escorted on camera to these places. And so it just, it's shocking to me um, that, you know, how you could take anything from the White House because it is pretty, supposed to be pretty secure. Yeah, I wanna make one more point about these classified documents that is we still don't know what these classified documents pertain to. And I'm very curious, especially with the Biden documents, do they pertain to business dealings involving his family in Ukraine or China. We just had the story a couple of weeks ago about China giving billions of dollars to Biden family uh, family members. What was that for? So there's a lot of questions. And I think, um, I think once we know what documents Biden stole, it would uh, answer a lot of them. And I also want to touch upon something else that Alan West mentioned uh, about this this whole Iran, uh, China, Russia, access of evil, he called it. And mm -hmm. it's true, it's, it's a lot more than problematic, you know. It's, uh, it's the new world order, essentially, because you look at their economic might and their military might combined, uh, there's no way that the, the U.S. and NATO can compete. And I don't think us Western nations have the will to compete against such an alliance. I mean, you have Iran, who's going to continue to show dominance in the Middle East. As a matter of fact, not only do we know that they're very close to having a nuclear weapon, Biden, I think just yesterday, uh, proposed another Iran deal, uh, Iran nuclear deal with them so that we can lift certain sanctions if they agree to freeze parts of their nuclear program. 
we should be dead in the water immediately. I mean, if that's our strongest response to Iran having nuclear weapons, you know, we'll add a, a few more coins in your pocket if you don't develop these nuclear weapons, then, you know, that that's a lost cause already. Mm-hmm. So Iran will continue to show dominance in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. You know, um, <clears throat> Russia just invaded Ukraine and they're yeah. threatening yeah other parts of Eastern Europe, especially parts that were formerly part of the whole Soviet Union. And China is, of course, they continue continue to show dominance over Asia. You know, Taiwan is going to be part of the Chinese empire very soon, and the United States may not do anything about it. So, So you figure China, Iran, and Russia are going to control Asia, Europe, and the Middle East. You know, China has a very strong foothold in Africa now. Uh, Europe is dependent on Russia for energy, um, despite the warning of President Trump. So it's a very pessimistic out- outcome. In and I'm sorry we have the president we do in office right now because he seems to be part of the problem instead of the solution. Yeah, next year is 2024. Please, I hope that we do not have another four more years of this. So. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Let's end on that happy, optimistic note. That's another episode of African American Conservatives. I'm Marie. DK. And this is African American Conservatives, the soul, the conservative movement. Please check out our substack at acons, A-A-C-O-N-S dot substack dot com. And follow us on social media, like, follow, subscribe, all of those good things. And if you are so led, please consider supporting our work. Until next time, take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement. You can find us online at acons.substack.com, anchor.fm forward slash A-A-C-O-N-S. And also you can support our work at anchor.fm forward slash A-A-C-O-N-S forward slash support.